0: Hi everybody. This is Alf speaking. Welcome back on the Macro Compass and particularly welcome back to a new article of my Bond Market 101 series. This article will be dedicated to credit spreads and I want to start by quoting uh, Hyman Minsky that said that stability breeds instability because stability itself is destabilizing in the first place. The main point behind the financial instability hypothesis from Hyman Minsky was that artificial stability and low volatility generate complacency amongst economic agents. And ultimately, they lead to suboptimal decisions. Basically, the seeds of the next crisis are sown in the good time. That's because once economic agents become confident and nothing can ever go wrong, borrowing starts happening on a very relaxed basis. Basically, anybody qualifies for leverage, even without credentials that are going to be able to produce cash flows to service their liabilities. Credit spreads at that moment in the cycle are very tight but generally that happens until something breaks and they start widening aggressively. Credit spreads though they don't only reflect the credit worthiness uh, from borrowers but also institutional and regulatory constraints from what I call the big whales credit spread and bond buyers. We're going to talk about these big whales uh, in this piece and how they influence credit spreads. Before I forget guys In general, if you're interested in any sort of partnership, sponsorship, consulting services, just reach out at themacrocompass at gmail.com. Now back to it, uh, how do we define credit spreads? They're basically the additional yield over risk-free government bonds that lenders demand to compensate for the additional credit risk from the borrower. So that will be a risk of default, basically. Now in the US, companies rated below triple B minus, they are known as junk uh, bond issuers, they have to face nowadays, on average, more than 400 basis point additional cost against the US government to borrow for a five-year period. Now, in, in Europe, that's around 450 basis point, and those are basically the credit spreads that investors demand to be rewarded for lending to risky business rather than simply lending to the government, which is buying risk-free government bonds. And so far, so good. I guess everybody understands that. But let's move to Germany for a second and consider KFW. So what the hell is KFW? KFW is a uh, national development bank. It provides funds for environmental protection, housing, uh, German small, small and medium enterprises. And it does so on behalf of the government. So Germany issued a direct and statutory guarantee, which is unlimited. And it covers all of KFW's liabilities, including the bonds that KFW issues. So one can say that KFW bears no additional credit risk compared to the German government. Its liabilities are explicitly and fully guaranteed. It's also rated AAA. Now, if you go and look at credit risk, uh, sorry, credit spread in in KFW bonds, they traded about thirty-five to forty basis points above German government bond. But there is no real credit risk. I mean, they are AAA rated. They are guaranteed by the German government. So how come? That's because credit spreads don't necessarily reflect only credit risk, as I said, but also regulatory and institutional constraints. That the big whale bond buyers have to face when looking at investment decisions. So who are these big whales? Bank treasuries, central bank reserve managers, and pension funds. We're going to talk about the first two, bank treasuries and central bank FX reserve managers. So the KfW bonds trade at 35-40 basis point credit spreads above the German government bonds because they hit the institutional liquidity constraint from an FX reserve manager perspective. Very often, central banks that accumulate uh, foreign currency reserves to invest, they set their investment risk policy pretty tight. So I made an example in the piece, Bank of Israel and the Swiss National Bank, they don't allow any purchases of bonds whose issuers are rated below B BBB-, minus, but KFW is rated AAA. So what's the problem? The problem is that they will also set maximum investment thresholds for bonds that are considered to be less liquid than government bonds. So they will look at bid-ask spreads, the size of the bond market, the liquidity of the underlying repo market, and they will therefore move a huge pool of FX reserves, which is about $13 trillion, accordingly by looking at the liquidity and the size of these um, underlying bond markets. And so even if KFW has basically the same credit worthiness as the German government, as its repo market and its bond market are less liquid than the German government bond market, you will have basically to offer a credit spread to convince investors to buy KFW bonds rather than German government bonds. Now, what about bank treasuries? They also face liquidity and regulatory constraints. After the great financial crisis, regulators basically woke up and realized that banks weren't owning enough liquid assets. So they introduced the thing called LCR, liquidity coverage ratio, where banks must always have enough high quality liquid assets to meet some stress scenario for deposits outflows now if you sum europe and the us we're talking about 10 trillion dollars that are chasing hqla high quality liquid assets now what are those they're not only risk-free government bonds but also some credit risk bearing fixed income instruments for instance some highly rated corporate bonds now if you purchase a government bond or a bank reserve, or you just keep bank reserves at your central bank, you face basically no liquidity haircuts. $100 million in treasuries is $100 million for uh, your liquidity coverage ratio calculation. But if you start buying a double A rated, even a triple A rated corporate bond, your liquidity haircut will be 15%. So you buy $100 million of this bond, but you'll only get counted for $85 million for the LCR calculation. And the more you move down the, the rating ladder, the more the liquidity haircut will grow, all the way up to 50%, for uh, already a single-A rated corporate bond. And if you go to junk bonds, they just won't count at all for the regulatory binding LCR ratio. So can you see the point? A very simple downgrade from AA minus to A plus increases the liquidity haircut for banks from 15 to 50% and therefore affects the decision-making of this large group of marginal buyers way beyond the simple credit risk consideration that maybe led to the downgrade in the first place. Same if there is a downgrade, even worse, from triple B BB- minus to double B plus, it excludes the bond issuer from a gigantic pool of HQLA and FX reserves. They just can't invest because of regulatory and liquidity constraints into bonds issu- uh, rated double B And this disproportionately affects credit spreads way beyond the deterioration in credit worthiness that maybe led to the downgrade in the first place. Now, think that the US triple B market is $3 trillion and represents a large portion of the investment grade market. So, if there is a downgrade to double B, perhaps the credit worthiness hasn't changed much, but the marginal flows directed to these bonds and credit spreads will change materially because of what we just said. Now, when it comes to markets, being long credit spreads is basically a short volatility trade. When things are getting better, monetary policy is supportive, everybody wants to buy and invest in riskier businesses to generate some more returns. This attracts, this lowers volatility and attracts, in a virtuous cycle, more flows towards this asset. Everybody wants to be long credit spreads, but at some point, this stability breeds instability. Economic resources get misallocated and then something breaks. Now, where do you find the freely accessible data to track these credit spreads so that you can monitor if maybe cracks are appearing under the surface? Well, there are two main instruments. One is the HYGH ETF. It's a high-yield interest rate hedged ETF, which means you will be only looking at the underlying high-yield junk bond credit spreads by looking at this ETF. Very simple resource. It's freely available on the internet. And the other one is you can go on the FRED database and use the DBAA. That's the Moody's Index for 30-year B rated US bond yields and subtract third-year US treasuries from it. So you'll have a very close picture of long-term triple-B corporate credit spreads. Now, this is all for today. Uh, there's one more thing. Um, there's a new episode of the Macro Trading Floor, which is out. Last week, we interviewed Lynn Olden. She shared her macro thesis and her macro investment idea with us. Go have a look on all your podcast app or on the Macro uh, BlockWorks Macro YouTube channel. I attached all the links in the piece. And please, guys, if you appreciate the effort I'm putting into sharing with you this knowledge, please feel free to share the post within your network. Uh, Share the word about the macro compass and the macro trading floor. It would really mean the world to me. Now, we'll talk again, most likely on Monday, and talk to you guys. Ciao.